You're listening to the podcast of Christ Walk Church in Fernandina Beach, Florida, where we exist to inspire people to follow Jesus every day. We hope that these messages encourage and challenge you to live for something more. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can find us online at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening. Now here's today's message. All right. How's everybody doing this morning? So good to see all of you. For those of you wondering what that was, it's supposed to be a bunch of dominoes that fall in it. Little bitty ones turn into bigger ones and bigger ones and bigger ones until one like the size of this church falls over. It's pretty cool and impactful. If you've got your Bible or a smart device, why don't you turn with me to the New Testament or you can swipe with me there um, to Paul's letter to the church in Rome. That's Romans um, chapter 7. We're going to land there in just a minute. I'm so excited to be with you uh, all here this morning. So excited for those of you who have joined us today online. Today we're in part two of a series uh, called Habits, where we're taking a look at some of the small things in our lives that can make a big difference. And last week in part one, we talked about the idea that it's often the small things that nobody sees that lead to the big things that everybody wants. And I encouraged all of you to start small at the beginning of this year by asking the Holy Spirit to give you just one word connected to just one Bible verse to be your focus over the coming year. And um, several of the people that are a part of our 30 days of prayer and fasting, and they're reading um, a Bible plan with us together uh, on the YouVersion Bible app. You've done just that. You've been sharing your word. or Some of you have told me in passing, I'm so excited um, for how the Lord is revealing himself to you and how you're stepping out in faithful obedience. I'll talk more about how you can get connected into that Bible reading plan and our 30 days of prayer and fasting uh, a little bit later on in the service. If that is something that interests you, we'd love to have you join up with us. If you haven't heard the message from last week, I would highly encourage you to go back and listen on our podcast or go to our YouTube channel um, and watch uh, as it's going to serve as the foundation for this series and each week builds upon the previous week. Now, if you are like most people, no doubt You've set some goals for yourself in this coming year. And whether or not you've actually verbalized those goals or you've taken things maybe into a further form of action by putting them, uh, like writing them down on a list or putting it in a checklist on on your phone or something like that, chances are you've at least thought of at least one thing that you would like to improve in your life or or do differently in your life over the coming 12 months. Maybe this is going to be the year that you're going to start saving money or perhaps quit smoking or start exercising or quit drinking soft drinks or you're going to start going to church consistently or fill in the blank with um, whatever that thing or those things are. You know, we often start out at the beginning of a new year trying to generate new outcomes in our lives. And, and many of us do pretty well right up until what studies show is the second Friday in January. So uh, you guys have until Friday before things start to go south. 
And then on average, eight out of 10 people from that point that can, that can hold on through the second Friday in January, eight out of 10 people or 80% of all people will fail at their New Year's resolution by mid-February. And, and it's at that point that we begin to say things like, I tried to quit smoking, but I just can't. Or I, I tried to go to the gym and exercise, but I just don't have time. And, and, and here's the truth though. I can't really means I won't. And, and I don't have the time really means I refuse to make the time. It's all just based on our choices. And, and William Shakespeare said it like this. He said, the choices we make dictate the lives that we lead, that the choices in our lives will determine our habits over the long run. Sean Covey puts it this way when he talks about habits. He says, our habits will make us or break us. We become what we repeatedly do. When we repeatedly make the choice to overeat, we become overweight. When we repeatedly make the choice to overspend, we become in debt. When we repeatedly make the choice to oversleep, we become unemployed. When we repeatedly make the choice to do the things that we don't want to do, we end up becoming the person that we don't want to be. And the good news is, is that even the heroes of faith struggled with this same kind of thing. Paul writes about this in his letter to the Romans, and you've turned there or swiped there, Romans 7. We're going to pick up in verse 15 and read together. Paul writes in verse 15, he says, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Now skip down to verse 18. He writes, and I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. I want to do what is right, but I can't. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. But if I do what I don't want to do, I'm not really the one doing wrong. It is sin living in me that does it. Skipping over to verse 24, he says, oh, what a miserable person I am. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Am I talking to anybody this morning who has felt the tension, the shame, the disappointment, the struggle of what Paul is talking about in this passage? Is there anybody in the house? Okay, there's a few. There's probably some more watching online. So then the question is, what, what do we do about it? What do we do about it? Well, there's a principle that aviators refer to as the one in 60 rule. And it states that for every one degree a plane veers off its course, it will miss its target destination by one mile for every 60 miles 
that the plane flies. This means that the further you travel, the further you will end up away from your original destination. So if you're off course by just one degree, after one foot of traveling, you'll miss your target by 0.2 inches, which is really no big deal. But after 100 yards, you'll be off by 5.2 feet. That's not huge, but it's certainly noticeable. After a mile, you'll be off by 92.2 feet. One degree, now we see, is starting to make a bit of a difference. And if you veer off course by one degree and you fly around the world, starting on the equator, you'll land almost 500 miles off of your target. And the point here is that small actions accumulated over a very long time make a huge difference. This is what we started talking about last week. But the good news is, is that it works both ways. Just as one degree can get us way off of track, one degree of change can get us right back on track. So the question then is, what separates those who are successful from those who end up failing? And I love what Pastor Craig Rochelle says about this. He says, successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Somebody needs to write that down here this morning, maybe if you're taking notes. And we're going to spend the next few minutes together kind of drilling down on that concept that successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. So if you're taking notes, we're going to talk about three primary reasons that we fail to fulfill our resolutions or the goals that we place in our life. Three primary reasons that we fail. And the first one of those reasons is this. Number one, we look at the wrong things. We look at the wrong things. See, most of us, we have similar goals in our life. Most of us in this room, we want to be healthy. We, are, we, we like the idea of being financially comfortable. We, we want to enjoy our life. We want to honor God with our life, etc. There's uh, we, we could go through each person and talk about um, the different goals that they had, and no doubt they would line up and be very similar, not exact, but very similar with the people that are around us. Yet, Despite the fact that we, we often share similar goals or desires for our life, we end up across the board with vastly different results. There are always winners and losers in, in, every, in every aspect of this. And, and it's, kind of like, it's kind of like coaches at the beginning of the football season. They, they gather their team together and um, they, they're giving them that, that first big pep talk and, and practice is getting ready to start and, and they're, they're casting vision for the year. And they say, all right, guys, we're gonna, we're gonna work hard and we're gonna pour every ounce of blood, sweat, and tears to this season and hopefully at the end we'll be in fourth place nobody says that 
They say, no, we're going to win the championship. That's why we're doing this. Unless maybe you're the coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and then you're like, fourth place. That's what we're after. Fourth, if we could just get to fourth place, then we would have arrived. Think of a couple getting married. They don't stand up in front of the congregation there with the minister, holding hands and looking each other in the eye, and then say, you know what? In five years, we're going we're gonna to end this thing in a nasty divorce. That's not how they start out. No, they look each other in the eye and they make these vows and they say, for better or worse, till death do us part, we're going to have the best marriage ever, the most fulfilling marriage ever. So what gives? Why do some teams win titles and others don't? Why do some marriages last and others don't? Don't. It's all about what we look at. It's all about what we focus on. And the reason is, is because many of us, we focus on the what instead of the how. We focus on the what, but we don't understand how to get what we want out of it. What I'm, what I'm getting at here is that our goals don't determine our success. Goals don't determine success in our life. If they did, every team would win a championship, every marriage would thrive, and we would all be supermodels. That's how that would happen. Goals don't determine success. Systems do. Systems are what determine the outcome of things in our life. James Clear says it this way. He says, you don't rise to the level of your goals you fall to the level of your systems. And a system, simply put, it's, it's a formulated, regular, or special method or plan of procedure. And we all have systems in our lives, whether we realize it or not. You have a system for getting ready in the morning. You could, if we asked each person in this room... What happens when you wake up in the morning and, and to get from point A to point B, like from the time you woke up this morning until the time you arrived here at church today, what are the things that you went through? And chances are your system is very similar every single day. You know, you'll wake up and you'll go to the bathroom and you'll brush your teeth and you'll get a shower and you'll have your cup of coffee and, and on and on, you know, hopefully you'll get dressed and you'll, you'll walk out the door, you know, all those things. And, and it's, a, it's a routine that we have in place. It's, it's commuting to work, going to and from work. We have a system. There is, there's a direction that we offer often go. It's why many times we can make the drive home from work and we don't really remember anything significant about it. We just remember pulling out of the, the work parking lot and pulling into our driveway. It's because we just do it over and over and over. It's a system. We, we have a system for managing our finances and not managing them is a system if that is what you choose. There, there are systems that are, that are at play in our lives for everything Thing that we do and for the outcomes that we are getting. A system is what initiates a desired or perhaps undesired result. Because just because you have a system in place doesn't mean that it is a good one. But consider the faith of a guy by the name of Daniel in the Bible. Maybe you've heard of him. I mentioned this last week. 
Um, How did he arrive at the place where he had the kind of faith that it took to spend the night in the den of lions and come out on the other side unscathed? It, It wasn't magic. It wasn't coincidental. It wasn't just happenstance. It was because Daniel had a system. Morning, noon, and night, each and every day, he would spend time in prayer and devotion to the Lord. And it was out of that experience over the course of his life that developed the kind of faith inside of him that he could face those lions. See, many of us, we're too focused on simply changing the results. I want to lose 10 pounds. I want to pay off the credit card. I want a closer relationship with Jesus. I want a more fulfilling marriage. See, rather than focusing on the results or the what, we need instead to focus on the systems that lead to those results, which is the how. Because the truth is, if we'll fix the how, then the what will take care of itself. So, the, the first way that we fail is that we, we look at the wrong things. And, and, and so if we understand that, then we can begin to build off of this next failure and, and get it fixed. And that is, not only do we look at the wrong things, but number two, we live by the wrong motivation. We live by the wrong motivation. You and I, we live in a world of instant gratification, There is a fast food restaurant on every corner. There is a microwave oven in every kitchen. And there is a buy now button on every Amazon listing. And and we can have it all simply by swiping a piece of plastic from our pocket. We don't even have to save the money or have the money for it. We can just buy it now and pay for it later and continue to push that on down the road. But this kind of attitude and activity, it it leads to failure when you and I, we don't see the payoff fast enough. We, We do things like this. In an effort to put some extra money towards our mortgage... We, we don't eat out for a month and we skip our trips to Starbucks and instead brew coffee at home. We'll, we'll scrounge up all the change we can find in the couch cushions. We'll even buy the, the cheap knockoff store brand items at the grocery store. And, and we use all of the savings and we put it on our mortgage only to realize that we have lowered our balance from $249,000 to $248,800. And it's like, Really? All of that. We, we won't miss a day of our Bible reading plan. We'll spend time in prayer every morning for a week. And then we'll yell at our wife and kids on the way to church on Sunday morning. This is why Sarah and I drive separately. <laughs> Can't yell at each other on the way to church if you're in different cars. I personally had an experience like this this past week. Uh, I was at the gym um, for my workout. We're several days into a fast. I've cut out bread, red meat, sweets, not drinking soft drinks. Um, I went to weigh myself. I'd gained a pound. Like, (laughs) how does that happen? Then I realized it's probably muscle. Yeah, that's what's going on. 
Um, we do these things, we have these experiences in our life, and we come to the incorrect conclusion that our small good decisions really don't matter that much. And, and the flip side is true. We'll eat half a package of Oreos in one sitting and go, yeah, I can't really tell. You know, stand in front of the mirror, suck in the gut, yeah, I'm, I'm probably okay. We'll ignore spending time with our wife to... Uh, work late instead, and she doesn't ask us for a divorce when we get home, right? We'll, we'll decide to sleep in and skip church just one weekend, and it really doesn't seem to matter all that much. And so we come to the incorrect conclusion again on that flip side that, that small bad decisions really don't matter all that much. But here's what Wayne Dyer says. I love this quote. He says, our lives are a sum total of the choices we have made. That where you are right now in life, it is a sum total of the choices that you have made, the things that you have lived up to this point. And so small bad decisions, the truth is, is that small bad decisions, they rarely destroy our lives immediately. But over time, they will add up. The same is true. Small good decisions rarely change our lives immediately, but over time, they will add up. For example, you're not going to gain 40 pounds in the next 40 minutes. It's just not going to happen. You're also not going to undo the past four decades of how you've lived in the next four days. It's just not going to happen. The key here to all of this is consistency over time. This is what we call discipline. And simply put, a good working definition of discipline is that discipline is choosing what we want most over what we want now. Discipline is choosing what we want most over what we want now. Discipline looks like not hitting the snooze bar and instead getting up to read your Bible before you go to school. Discipline looks like drinking water for lunch instead of soda. Discipline looks like getting to the gym after work even though you're tired and you just want to go home and lay on the couch and eat that half a pack of Oreos that probably won't make that much difference. Discipline is battling insecurity and doubt. Discipline is failing and starting over. Discipline is getting up early. It's staying up late. It's ignoring the critics. It's remaining persistent. It's paying the price. It's sacrificing. It's grinding. It's doing whatever it takes to succeed, especially when no one is looking to give you the accolades for the work and the effort that you're putting in. Remember, it's the little things that nobody sees that lead to the big results that everybody wants. Paul talks about this in his letter, uh, Galatians, in uh, chapter 6, verse 9. He says this, So let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we do not give up. It's kind of like, the magic penny. Many of you may have heard this story. If I offered to give you a million dollars or a magic penny that would double in value every day for 31 days, which one would you choose? Most people choose the million dollars. However, we quickly find out that on day two, we have two cents and then 
four cents and then eight cents and 16 cents. And really, where is this going? At day 10, we have a whopping $5.12. Day 20, it's $5,242. And while that's a pretty solid amount, it's still nothing compared to the million dollars that we could have had otherwise. However, at the end of the 31 days, we end up, for those of us that chose wisely and chose the magic penny, we end up with over $10.7 million dollars. See, it doesn't look like much early on, but because it keeps going consistently over time, we arrive at the payoff. See, we're, we're not going to become who we want to be by taking shortcuts. Get rich quick doesn't exist. It only leads to failure. So not only do we need to stop looking at the wrong things, we need to stop living by the wrong motivation and realize what it is that's going to lead us to success, which leads us to the third reason that we often fail to fulfill our resolutions or the goals in our life. And that is that we listen to the wrong voice. We listen to the wrong voice. One of the titles of our enemy, the devil, is the accuser. He is constantly accusing us and reminding us of our failures and our shortcomings. And many of us, as, as we are reminded of those things and he calls those things to memory, many of us, we begin to believe those lies and, and we start to associate our identity with the, the things that we have failed in the past. Like that time that we cheated on our math test, we begin to believe the lie that we're just not a good student. That time that, that we lied to our boss about something, we begin to believe the lie that we're incapable of being a good employee. The, the time that we yelled at our spouse, we begin to believe that we are not a good husband or a good wife. The devil, like I said, he causes us to connect these lies to our identity. We, we, we take on the assumption that because I did bad, then I am bad. And it's not, it's not just us, but even like giants in the faith struggled with this kind of stuff. Moses said that he just wasn't a good speaker. Gideon said, God, why would you want to use me? I'm the weakest and the least of everyone in my entire clan. Paul said that, that he was the least of the apostles and considered himself unworthy to have that title because of the time that he had spent in opposition to the, the move of Christianity and the growth of the early church. And, and we, you and I, we come to accept these things in, in our life and, and, and adopt them as our identity. And we'll make statements like, I'm just not good with people. Or I just can't help it. I, I have an addictive personality. Or I, I'm just not organized and I'll never get that way. Or I, I'm just no good with money. I don't see how I can possibly get out of this debt. I'm simply just not a disciplined person. I don't think I can ever make that happen and achieve that goal. And because we listen to the wrong voice in our life, we end up taking an unhealthy view of ourselves. 
And, and here's, what that, here's what happens then. An unhealthy identity, an unhealthy view of self, it fosters unwise habits. That because we see ourselves this way and we don't see a way out of it, then we'll just continue to stay there. We'll just continue to live there. Because unwise, uh, unwise habits that, that we'll embrace as a result of an unwise uh, or an unhealthy identity, those unwise habits, they reinforce that unhealthy identity. And what happens is, is we just get stuck in this cycle that sabotages any chance that you and I have for success. It's just over and over. I overeat, and so I see myself as fat. And because I see myself as fat, I overeat. And then we just get stuck there until I'm just that unhealthy, overweight person, and I don't have energy to uh, be um, you know, fully engaged in my marriage or fully engaged with my kids or to be active like I want to or whatever. And, and we could, we could uh, multiply that out over any kind of scenario in our lives, and that's the cycle that we get stuck in. So... The question then for us is, if what we've been doing isn't working, why not try something different? If, if what we've been doing isn't getting us the results that we desire, then, then why wouldn't we try something different? Because most people create goals based on what they want to do. I'm going to set a goal this year. I'm going to read the Bible more. I'm going, to, I'm going to set a goal this year that I'm going to spend less time on social media. Or I'm going to set a goal this year that I'm going, to, I'm going to lose some weight. And then by the second Friday in January. So if that's not working for us, instead of starting with do, we need to start with who. Instead of starting with do, we need to start with who. We need to answer the question, who do you want to become, or better yet, who does God want me to become? This year, God wants me to become a healthy person. He wants me to become a financially free person. He wants me to become a, a godly spouse. He wants me to become sober. He wants me to become fill in the blank with who you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit calling you to become. And see, what happens is, is when we exchange do for who, we start with the identity that we want to have. The things that we need to do to get there become all that much more clear. When you know who you are, then you'll know what to do. Like someone says, hey, forget the gym. Let's go get ice cream. And you're like, no, I'm a healthy person. So we'll go to the gym first. And then, no, you, no, no, that's not what you say. No. It's that old man trying to come up, trying to, trying to take it away from me. Someone says, don't worry about how much it is. Just swipe the card. You say, no, I am living financially free. Someone says, hey, man, you want to go to the strip club tonight? And you say, no, because I am a godly husband. Someone says, hey, you, you want to meet up at the bar later? No, I'm sober. That's not who I am anymore. We, we draw a line in the sand of that may be who I used to be, but that's not who I am anymore because this is the person that I am becoming. 
And so I'm not going to do those things because it's not leading me down the path to getting me to become the person that I want to be or who God is calling me to be. Paul writes about this in in Romans 6, verses 6 and 7, uh, and then 18. He says, we know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. For when we died with Christ, we were set free from the power of sin. And and, and he says in verse 18, he says, So now you are free from your slavery to sin, and you have become slaves to righteous living. And so when, when the enemy comes into our life and he wants to point the finger at all of those past failures, all of the second Fridays in January where we failed before time and time again, those of us who, who we made it to mid-February, but then it felt, we fell off the bandwagon at that point, all the times that we've let other people down and that we've fallen short of the glory of God and he wants to point a finger at all of those things, all you and I have to do, we just have to point a finger at the cross. Because that's where our victory is. That is where our identity lies this morning. Because of the cross, I am forgiven. Because of the cross, we are set free. Because of the cross, we are redeemed. We are overcomers. We are children of God. That old way of life is gone, and we are now living in a new way of life. And because of Jesus, the best for me is still yet to come. That's what we're pointing the finger at this morning. That's the voice that we're listening to. That's the motivation that drives who we are and who we are becoming. Because in the same way that an unhealthy identity fosters unwise habits, a healthy identity fosters wise habits, good habits. And wise habits will reinforce that good, positive, healthy identity. So the question I have for all of you today as we wrap this up is, who do you want to become? Who's God calling you to be? This time next year, how do you want to look back and and see yourself? How do you you want to look in the mirror and go, man, look at the, the steps that God's helped me take over the past 12 months? Because when you know who you want to be, then you know what you're supposed to do. What would the person that I want to be do in XYZ situation? What decision would a wise person make in this situation? What what decision would a healthy person choose in this situation? What decision would a godly spouse make in this situation? What, What decision would a financially free person make in this situation? See, it's, it's no single action that's going to change our identity, but rather it's repeated actions over time that can change not only how we see ourselves, but will eventually lead to changing our entire identity and with it our outlook on life and who we are and how God is at work within us. Because successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. Here's the good news about all of this. Because it can seem insurmountable. 
Remember, it's just one degree of change over time. And you don't have to be perfect at it. You don't have to get it right every single time because the truth is we're humans. The truth is we are, we're gonna mess it up. We're, we're incapable of being perfect. So what happens if you miss a day at the gym or what happens if you overeat or what happens if you slip up and yell at your kids or what happens if you make a stupid financial purchase? See, we're, we're making good decisions for ourselves. We're, we're moving in a positive direction. We're living in wisdom. And then all of a sudden we make a mistake. What then? Simple. Get up, dust yourself off, and keep moving forward. We're, we're moving forward. We're, we're making progress. We're feeling strong. And then all of a sudden we experience a setback. What do we do then? We reassess, we redirect, and we keep going. It's kind of like in an election. There's votes for both sides. We don't need the thing to be unanimous to win. We just need a majority. So some of the greatest fitness advice that I've heard, I think we can apply to most any situation in our life. The fitness advice I've heard is simply this. When it comes to your diet, never eat two unhealthy meals in a row. So if you miss one day of your Bible reading plan, just don't let it turn into two. If you miss one week of church, just don't let it turn into two. If you make one bad financial decision, don't let it turn into two. And over time, that's going to add up. It's like what Darren Hardy said in his book, The Compound Effect, Small, smart choices plus consistency plus time equals radical difference. Small, smart choices plus consistency plus time equals radical difference. I can't promise that because you make a good decision, that one degree click today, that tomorrow everything is going to be sunshine and rainbows. I can't make that promise. But what I can promise you is if you make that good decision day after day after day after day, we'll look back in January the 9th, 2023, you will be so much further down the road to becoming the person that God has called you to be and so much further away from the person and the life that you're living now that you won't even be able to recognize the difference. It's just doing the right thing the right way over the course of time. And that is what will make the biggest impact in your life. Those small, smart choices. Perhaps for somebody today in this house, maybe watching with us online, the smartest, smallest choice that you could make is stepping into a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ and beginning your Christ walk. It's not gonna fix all your problems overnight. It's not gonna magically make all the difficulty in life disappear. But I can guarantee that if you'll live for Jesus today and every day over the long haul, you will experience life in all of its fullness. 
That's a promise from the mouth of Jesus himself comes to us in scripture that you and I can take claim, take hold of today. So if that's you and you'd like to make that decision, you'd like to enter into that relationship with Christ today, I wanna invite you to pray this very simple prayer with me. Can we pray together? Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. Today, I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Christ Walk Church podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. To find out more information about Christ Walk Church, including our service times, how to connect with us on social media, and the ministry opportunities we have for you and your family, simply visit our website at thechristwalk.com. Thanks again for listening, and don't forget, because of Jesus, the best is yet to come.